Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And I thought we would start today with the Trojan War because I'd like to get the daggone thing wrapped up. And uh, and I told Greg, I was telling Greg that I was going to give you guys a Trojan War test this week or next week. However, <laughs> I, I failed because uh, I couldn't get it to come up. I couldn't get it open, the file. I have it made up. Uh, but for some reason, some of my files have, I guess they're too old or something. Anyway, I'm going to work on it this week, see if I can. Uh, they Somehow my files turned into Unix files, and I don't know how that happened. So, Well, I still can't get this touch. Plus, you know, I work and I go through the exercises, and it doesn't save you know, my changes and I'm so yeah. frustrated. As soon as I get this sense up, boy, I think it might be the difference. You're going to like it and it will work pretty. It does some weird things too, but it's good. Like one thing that's really good about it, you can save stuff on one drive and that kind of works pretty well. Um, Cause you can, you don't have to save everything right on your sense and, but you, but you can. So it's a, it's a good piece of equipment. It is. I'm using it right now. I thought well, I'm start- afraid if you gave me a Trojan war test, I'd fail. I mean, that's just, uh. well, what yeah, you, can me do too. you can have it and you can have it to look at and yeah. I'll give you the answers to it. And then when you get old and have nothing else to do, you can go back and, okay. and look over it. Now I think we had gotten to letter C of our review sheet and we had gotten to number 12, I believe. We had talked about who were the most well-known Greeks. Uh, I believe Where, we are we finished. in lesson 39? This is or? lesson 39, but I'm skipping down to the review of the Trojan War. Where all Just, the blanks are? Yeah. Okay, so it says of the Trojans, blank was the old king. I think this is where we ended last week. Blank was the old king. Anybody? Priam. Priam. One that had 50 sons and 50 daughters. Good All right. Boy. Blank was the real commander of the Trojan forces because the key Priam's very old. Who was his right hand man, you might say? The most likable character in the entire Iliad. Paris. No, Paris. Paris is kind of not very likable. All he has on his mind is sex. And bedrooms. <laughs> that's true. That's not true. Not very likable. <laughs> well, I mean, that doesn't make him unlikable, but but he's not serious yes, about it anything. Does. <laughs> I guess Helen liked him fine, but uh, I guess so. You know, um, no Hector. This is Hector. Let me try Hector. <laughs> and then, uh, who was the only leader to escape from Troy at the end of the war, and he will become the ancestor of the Romans. He had a love affair with Dido. Would that help you any? Aeneas. 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 Okay. During the 10th year of the war, blank killed blank and dragged his body around the walls of Troy. Who's the great hero of the Trojan War, the greatest fighter, I should say? He's kind of a spoiled brat, but he's the greatest fighter. 
Achilles. Achilles, yeah. Where he's the greatest fighter. Why? Because the only place he can be wounded is where? His heel. His yep. heel. And, uh, okay, and, and so he kills Hector, Hector and drags his body around the walls of Troy because he's so yeah. angry that Hector killed his friend thinking it was him. And he's so angry that he mistreats Hector's body like that. For Troy to fall, there are some things that have to happen. And I list them here. The blank must be taken from Troy. Something has to be taken from Troy. What is that? The Palladium. The Palladium is a, is a statue of Pallas Athena, and it's like a guardian thing. It's like a, as long as it's in Troy, Troy cannot fall. Yeah. All right. Blank must come to Troy. A person. Pyrrhus, or no, also known as Neoptolemus. He is Achilles' son, and he must come to Troy. He will, he will end up killing King Priam at the end of the war. The blank must be brought to Troy, the bow and arrows of Hercules, and the bones of Pelops must come to Troy. It's funny, uh, you know, when you were a kid, did you ever play tag or I don't know what game it is when you say, I'm on base. And as long as I'm on base, nothing can happen, you know, and it's kind of like that with this story. As long as certain Hmm. things didn't happen or did happen, Troy would not fall, but if those things happened, then Troy would fall. It's kind of a, I guess it's almost like a primitive kind of superstition. You know, you yeah. can't get me as long as, uh-huh. you know, it's kind of that idea, I guess, in a way. Oh, and those things all happened. Okay. The Greeks built the Trojan horse or the wooden horse and then pretended to what? Hide inside. No, they did hide in there. Well, they did. They they hid men in it. Remember, that's it's a it's a it's a it's a machine stuffed with Greeks. So they put them in, close the door, and then what they do? This is hard to hear. They left. They left. They left. Yeah, they left and pretended to sail away, hoping that then the Trojans would come out and say, "What's this great big thing? It must be some kind of wonderful thing. We better take it into the city." And as soon as they take it into the city, what happens? The door is open and they come out. And they come out. That's right. The city, yeah. All right. By the way, I think we told you that there is a computer virus called the Trojan War, or the Trojan Horse, rather. And it was a thing where if it opens up, it ruins your computer from the inside. You know, it gets into your computer. And I guess all viruses do that to some extent. But this one was called the Trojan Horse. Um, Blank tried to prevent the Trojans from taking the horse into the city. And he was blank for his pains. That is Laocoon. Remember, he tried to say, I fear the Greeks even when bearing gifts. You remember that? Yes. And some snakes came and killed him, supposedly because he dared to throw a spear at the horse. Okay, Blank was a Greek spy whose mission was to get the Greeks, I'm sorry, get the Trojans. Is Gainus? Uh, uh, let me read that again. Um, I lost my place. 
Okay, Blank was a Greek spy whose mission was to get the Trojans, that should say, to take the horse into the city. He succeeded. Anybody remember who he was? Oh, a funny kind of name, Sinon. Sinon, yeah. Sinon. All right. After the fall of Troy, Blank, Aeneas's first wife, was lost. Now, I know you don't remember that because we didn't have it that often. Her name reminds me of Shrimp Creole. Her name was Creusa. Creusa, yeah. Creusa. Yep, Creusa. C-R-E-U-S-A. And she dies before she leaves Troy. She dies and he can't. So he doesn't have a wife all during his wanderings. After leaving Troy, Aeneas went to blank. Uh, you don't know this because we didn't talk much about it. He went to Thrace. We did talk a little bit about it. Thrace. Since the land was cursed, he went to Delos to consult the oracle. There was an oracle in Delos at that time. There was one in Delphi. That was the most famous one, but this one is in Delos. And, I, got a, I got the Oracle part right, but I wrote All Delphi. right. Well, that's, <laughs> a good, that's a good thing. At least you got the Oracle right. Why well, didn't get Delos? After that, he went to Crete, but harvests were bad. They go to Crete. They think they're going to settle there, but the harvests are bad, and a vision appears to Aeneas that he has a dream where the household gods speak to him and tell him not supposed to be in Crete, supposed to be in Italy. And you have to go to Italy. All right. After leaving there, they go to. Now, you don't know this because I, I had to look this up. I had forgotten it. A place called the Strophodes, which are little Greek islands or little islands. This is the land. What I used to tell my students, just call this the land of the harpies. It's where the harpies live. Remember, what are harpies? from the underworld and they or am i getting confused i don't think they're from the underworld but they could be there's some of them in the underworld but That's they're women they're women that look like part women and part birds oh yeah and remember ah. they fly down and grab food grab off your, your food, plate and then poop and then all over your table plate. That's, That's right, right. <laughs> and so if you have them around you can't eat and the reason they're called harpies the greek word harpazo means to snatch so the word like harpy really off. means That's the snatchers. The rapture, you know, and you yeah. when you talk about oh, the rapture yeah. of Jesus, right. the word that they use in Greek is harpazo. It's harpazo. You're exactly correct. And uh, you uh, remind me of pigeons. Pigeons. Yeah, they're kind of. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not so in, uh, dissimilar to pigeons. Really, pigeons are kind of disgusting. Um, I thought they came from the underworld originally, but I guess. Well, I think there are some of them. I wouldn't, I don't honestly know where they came from. Jupiter, a guy by the name of Phineas had been very mean to his sons. And out of, uh, because of that, Jupiter punished him by blinding him, kind of interesting punishment, right? By blinding him and then sending the harpies on him. Oh, and the uh, the Argonauts, when they come along a little bit later, they kill the harpies and free him from that curse. But when they get to him, he's like skin and bones. He's emaciated. Aeneas does not do well with the harpies. He tries to fight against them. And he can't get anywhere because their skin is so tough. You know, you can't, you can't kill them with a sword or anything. And finally, one of them says to Aeneas, okay, you guys, you want to fight against us? Fine. But you're going to get so hungry when you get to Italy that you'll eat your tables. Now, the prophecy turns out not to be as bad as it sounds. 
That's what they say to him. The reason the Argonauts could defeat the Harpies is they had the Sons of the North Wind with them, and they could fly faster than the Harpies. And so they flew and whipped them and drove them away like that. Okay, but since they couldn't eat, they moved on. That is Aeneas and his men. Okay, Blank was especially hostile to Aeneas through this story. Do you remember who that was? Remember, Ulysses, Neptune was hostile to him because he had killed the Cyclops or blinded the Cyclops. But who's the goddess that's really hostile to Aeneas? Juno. 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 Really hostile to Aeneas. All right. When Aeneas goes to Carthage, you'll all know this. Blank fell in love with him. When he gets to Carthage, who falls in love with him? Dido is her name. Remember, her name is Dido in the nominative case, but Alyssa in the oblique cases. Alyssa. Yeah, so she's the first Alyssa. I had such a popular name today. Uh, yeah. She's she's the first one that I ever knew of, anyway. Um, and I always thought Aeneas kind of missed out because she was a pretty good woman. She was a queen. She was a, a brave woman. She's the one they said Duke's fame and Afakti, the leader of the deed, was a woman. And yet he wasn't allowed to have her. He got Lavinia, who's kind of a blah, kind of a has no personality, really. What does Lavinia mean? What does it mean? Uh -uh. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know that anyone knows. I never heard. I never um, heard. I thought, um, I thought I heard somewhere that Lavinia meant lightning. Means what? Lightning. Well, if it does, um, you got me thinking. You got me thinking because I'm trying to think of the Latin word for lightning that I that I know, and I can't think of it right offhand. Tony true, Tony true is thunder, which I always think sounds so funny. It sounds almost like thunder. Um, <laughs> but like light, thunder. lightning, Tony true, yeah, Tony true is the word. Like we get the word tone from it, I guess. And tono is the verb to thunder. Um, I love the Greek word for thunder, brontes. It sounds like thunder. It sounds it almost like thunder. <laughs> Um, but you got it was me puzzled. funny in German. Thunder and lightning is dawn on Blitzen. That's where we get thunder. Yeah, Are you serious? Are you dawn serious? Blitzen, yes. Uh -huh. Dawn is to thunder. So, and then Blitzen means lightning. Blitzen we get the lightning. Yes. The, li you know, you the lightning war. Yes. Ah. What is it in French, Carla? Thunder. Well, lightning um, is uh, éclair, isn't it? Yeah, éclair. I found there's éclair, and then tonne. It's an ER verb. Like tonne, but what's the noun? Um, I can't think of it. I think I know. I, I, I must have seen uh, it. So. The tonner, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. All right. Well, wow, keeping all these. Spanish. What is it in Spanish? Um, Relampagueya. Relampago is lightning. Yeah, Relampagueya yeah, is the verb. So you say it's thundering and lightning. You say truena y relampagueya. Let's yeah, watch relampa everybody yeah, talking yeah. over one another, please. Relampagueya sounds like lamp, doesn't it, a little bit? Yeah, that's how I tell my students to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. You still yeah, got in me... A novel, uh, in a novel that I read, um, this person named 
this well, this woman named her children Thor and Lavinia and for thunder and lightning. Mm. And so I was curious as to if that really, if it really meant that or if that was just. I'm going to find out. You got me curious now. In Spanish, the noun is for for lightning is relampagos. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. I don't know. You got me curious now, Gloria. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, Go look it up. I'm going to have to look that up because I I never heard it. Well, if her name does mean lightning, she is the most lame lightning you've ever seen because she just has no personality the only story in which she has a personality is after aeneas and she are married dido's sister comes to visit aeneas and she gets like all upset and plans to murder her and everything and it's just so unlike this blah woman that you see in the aeneid so uh, anyway um blank died in sicily that's aeneas's father he dies before they get to italy all right, when Aeneas reaches Italy, he was offered the hand of somebody in marriage. We just talked about her. I know. Lavinia. Oh, Lavin- Lavinia. Oh, right. Lavinia. And he fights with Turnus, a guy named Turnus. Because of blank, Aeneas kills his adversary because he has, because of Pallas. Pallas was that young boy that Aeneas had that he had befriended that uh, he had brought with him. And uh, because of Turnus killing him, Aeneas then kills Turnus. You would think Aeneas would spare him, but he doesn't because he feels it's his duty to avenge his friend. And so he kills him. Aeneas built a city called what? Lavinium, named after his wife, Lavinia. Ascanius built a city called Alba Longa. And we're going to talk about that today, maybe. So... Because our story we're going to read uh, next week takes place near Lavinia. All right. Very good. We can put this Trojan War to bed now. We can, we can put it to bed. All right. So at the beginning of the lesson, I'm going to talk. We, I, I came up with a couple of phrases that I thought I'd like to review these phrases. We, we probably have seen these at some time, but wouldn't hurt to review them. Deo Valente. What does Deo Volente mean? It means willing. God willing. Yes. God yeah, willing. And you might hear someone actually say that sometime. Yes. Yeah, I, I, like, I like that phrase. Uh, I don't know why. I just yeah. kind of like that phrase. Yeah. Another, this next one's kind of a funny one to me because of something that happened to yeah. us. Uh, ex corde means oh, from heart. the heart. From the heart. My wife wanted to give me a, um, a present. She wanted to give me something with Latin on it. And she wanted to give me, I had just gotten a pocket watch. I used to use a pocket watch before Apple watches came out. And stuff. Uh, I used to use a Braille pocket watch. And so she gave me this little, um, what do you call them? Little, cha- little. A chain? Cha- it wasn't a chain. It was more like a charm that went on the chain. It was like a little charm that went on the watch chain. Um, I guess you just call it a charm. And she asked my Latin professor, what can I put on there that would mean something in Latin, you know? And so my professor said, ex corde. It means like with love, with, from the heart, you know? So she did, and I had it. Well, in our old house, we had this track out in our backyard that we used to walk around. That was before I had a guide dog or anything. And we used to walk around it. And all of a sudden, one day, I noticed my chain, my charm had dropped off somewhere out there. 
And we looked like crazy to find it. We got sighted people to come and help us find it. No one ever found it. So somewhere on the grounds of my old house, buried down probably in the ground, is a piece of metal that says X Corday on it. And I can just picture somebody in future generations finding that and thinking, wow, what is that? Did the Romans, they weren't here. Where'd that come from? And wondering where that. Imagine if kids find it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they'll be all excited about that. You can just imagine. Uh, so it's kind of funny. And the last one, but if you ever want to give somebody something, um, you know, to say, I really like you, you're a great person, and make it something kind of cool, kind of, you know, interesting, you could, you could give them something with X Corday on it. All right. And the last phrase is a phrase that I really like. In fact, I put it in my book when I wrote my, when I was writing my book, mutatis mutandis. Mutatis mutandis means after changing the things which must be changed. Uh, example, you could say the Romans are really very similar to us. Mutatis mutandis, meaning if you consider that they didn't have the atomic bomb and if you consider they didn't have electricity and if you consider they didn't have computers and if you consider that they didn't uh, have cars, if you get right down to it, they're very similar to us making those exceptions, making those changes, changing everything that must be changed, making all necessary changes. And that's what it means. So it's kind of a cute, uh, it's kind of a, a, a quick way. It's kind of a quick way to say, if you consider the things that we know are different, then this is the same. Uh, something like that. So you might see that phrase occasionally. All right, let's look at our verbs a little bit. We got a long, we got a long verb exercise. We might not do. Oh, hey, Lucy, if you can tell me when it's twenty of. Yep, I sure will. Of. Thanks, I appreciate that. And then when it's two minutes of. Okay, um, sure. I appreciate that. Let's look at these verbs. This is a great verb exercise um, because. Uh, and by the way, I gave you the answers to the one we did last week. So you have the answers uh, to it. Uh, and you can look at them if you want to. Uh, but this exercise is similar. It's, it's practicing all of our tenses. I give you a present tense form, and you have to change it to the imperfect and then the perfect. And by the way, I should just say, in case you're wondering, how come we have a perfect tense when we already know the imperfect tense. Why do we have to have two? The answer is they're very different. The imperfect tense is more like a movie. It's talking about something that's going on in the past, that was going on in the past, that has been going on in the past. It's as if you're seeing the action taking place in the past. Imperfect means incomplete. The perfect tense is more like a, a snapshot a slide. You're looking at a single slice of past events. Excuse me one second. Gary, are you there? Oh, there you are. <laughs> Canis meus latrabat. My dog was barking. I had to let him in. Um, anyway, uh, so one is more of a 
like looking at a picture, a motion picture, and one is more like looking at a snapshot. And so we'll talk a little more about that next week when we read our story. When we read our story next week, you're going to see um, how these two tenses are used. All right, but number one, how would I change ridays to the imperfect? Do you remember? We haven't talked about the imperfect for quite a while. What's the big thing in Spanish that shows you that a verb is in the imperfecto? Um, At least most of the time. If it's an E-R-I-R, it would be like ia. And if yep. it's an AR verb, it, it has the ABA, you know, the, the ba, B in it. The ba, ba, ba. Right. And that's that's what Latin does. Bomb, boss, bot, bombus, right. botus, bot. Yeah, and that's bah. the thing that Latin is always doing. So it would be, and I'll I'll give you the answers to these okay. next week when I send the notes out. It would be Ridebas. Yeah, Ridebas. I thought I'd said that. Ridebas. Okay. And what would it be? Oh, and now, I don't think you know. I don't know. Maybe we, we had it somewhere. The third principal part of rideo to laugh is resi. So it's resisti. So resisti. Ride boss and resisti. I got that one right. Very good. You were laughing or you laughed over and over again every day or something. And you laughed once or you have laughed. It would mean. All right. Number so the two. Compound, you know, the pluperfect is the same as you know the non-compound that that always confused me because they are very distinct tenses in spanish and french and german the difference is that in latin at least in the active voice oh we haven't even gotten to passive voice yet have we yeah um, the or <laughs> yeah yeah um in latin these are all one word tenses mm. and by the way <laughs> You hear some real knuckleheads in this world. Uh, we had a person that taught at my school that told the children that English only had two tenses. Oh, present tense and past tense. Oh, because he said God. the rest of them were not tenses since they weren't just one word. Oh, for crying out. And so one of my German teacher friends said, well, then what did MacArthur do when he said, I shall return? I, I, I guess what return. tense was he talking about? <laughs> Really? So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of absurd. But in Latin, all those tenses like pluperfect and future perfect are one word. Yes. And that, that's, you know, when you know other languages, it takes you, it, it sort of confuses you at first. Yeah, it does. And, well, uh, most of those tenses are not even taught, though, now. I mean, we oh, don't they don't. No, 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 they don't. Now. They don't. Well, in this guy, truthfully, I don't think he knew. He was, what he was doing, he was, he was trying to teach them linguistics, sort of. And I think he had seen that. In fact, I went to college. Uh, I took a linguistics course at college when all this was going on. And I told my linguistics professor at college what he was teaching. And his reply was, who the hell's teaching them that? <laughs> That's what exactly what he said. Yep. So, so even he didn't agree with that assessment uh, of it. Uh, but anyway, that's just one of the things us belabored Latin teachers have to put up with. All right. Number two, Fakio. How do we change that to the imperfect? That's one that the vowel changes, isn't it? And you know, well, yeah. it's going to yes, because it's a what? It's an I. It's a third I over. Yes, and so it's going to be fakie bomb. Fakie bomb, yes. Fakie bomb, and then the perfect fakie. Fakie, uh, fakie. All right, let's do one more. A couple more. Curitis. 
C-U-R-R-I-T-I-S. Curitis. What does that verb mean, by the way? Run. Uh, you run. Yep. Don't get mixed up with curo, curare, and curo, curare. There is a verb, C-U-R-O, meaning to care for. Yeah. That's not this one. This one means to run. All right. So how do we say I was, how do we say you were running? Remember what we do? We take our infinitive, which is kure, drop the R-E, yeah. and add your imperfect ending. Yeah. So that'd be the kure, kure, um, bas. Yes. And um, kure batis. Yeah. You said it. I think you said yeah. most of it anyway. Yes. Kure batis. I just cut off too. And the perfect are you having a storm yeah all right <laughs> well, it's wind and i got my zoom is going in and out Ventus pear flot and <laughs> tony true toe knot <sighs> thunder roll um uh anyway so for the perfect it's going to be cucuristus yeah cucuristus Okay, don't. There's a nice easy one for you. Don't. What's do mean? Do, dare. Dare to give. Yep. So don't would be. Dabant. Good. Dabant. And. Now you would expect it to be, Carla, if you were a Roman child. Yes. You would expect it to be dawerunt. Yeah, but. But it ain't. It's dederunt. Oh, de oh, that's right. That's that one that changed. That verb do and sto are the ones that are irregular uh, mm -hmm. for their third principle. Sto stare to be yep. the other one to be, right? Right. That's All like right. the difference between essay and um, ser and a star in Spanish. Oh, that drives me absolutely crazy in Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, it really does. That to, I think that is the hardest concept in a foreign language that I've ever seen. I, I just think that's a hard concept. I think the subjunctive is harder because they don't teach it and reinforce it enough. That may be true. Now, one thing that occurred to me, Latin and Greek, there are two verbs to be. In Latin, there's one, assume. But in Greek, there are two verbs to be. One is, you know, the one that means to be, I am, you are, whatever, ain't I. And the other is to be, is more like to become, it can mean to become, it can mean to be born, and that's the verb gignomai. And they're yeah, pretty much in there too, essere and stare. Yeah. Oh, really? Hmm? So it's, it's interesting that Spanish and Italian stuff. have this and, and French doesn't. French doesn't, French doesn't. Stuff. no, French does not. And Russian doesn't even use the verb to be half the time. They leave it really? out. Like if you want to say, I am a teacher, they just say, I teacher. They use it in the past tense. In the future tense, they don't use it in the present tense. Interesting. So, interesting, 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 interesting. All right, when it. What's when EO mean? Come. Yep. Come. Yep. All right, so how do I say he came? He was coming. We need... It's what what conjugation is when he We got twenty one minutes. Oh, thank you. What's the second principal part of when he 
Wenio Wen So it's fourth. So it's Weniebot. Weniebot. And the perfect would be. Wenio, Wenire. What's the third principal part? Wenie. So it's Wain it. Wain it. So the only difference between the present and the perfect is a long mark. Yeah. The only difference. Yeah. Let's do one more, maybe, and then we'll talk about Roman civilization a little bit. Duca. Duco, Dukebam. Yep. Duxi. Yep. You got it. Dukebam and Duxi. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll do one more. What about Widamus? It's to see, right? Yep, to see. Video, where we get the word video from. Widamus. Uh, yes, Widamus and. Widamus and. Um, <laughs> um, well, this is one of those irregular ones, right? Yep. Wideo, Widere. Um, What's we, the third principle? Weedy. So, Weedimus. Remember Julius yeah. Caesar? That's one of his. We, Wainy, Weedy, Wiki. Hey, we, Wainy was one of his, too. So, all right, one more. Copio. What's copio mean, by the way? We haven't had that one for a while. It means to seize. It's like harpazo in Greek. Harpazo. It means to seize. Huh. To, so, copie bomb right. and capi. Capi. All right. Capi. And we'll do one more, maybe. Reprehendimus, to meaning scold. to scold. Yeah, and that'd be um, reprehendibamus. Uh, yep, reprehendibamus. And the perfect would be. The perfect uh, would be exactly the same as the present. Yes, it's the same. There's no long mark, right? No long nope, mark. No long mark. This time it's exactly the same. It's like in English, read and read. You know, read and read. Same same kind of thing. All right, and 10, posunt. Here's an irregular verb. What does posunt mean, by the way? Um, they they could. All right, right? they can. They, they could can. in the could. past. Yeah. All right, so posunt becomes. Poterant. 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 A N T. Poterant. And the perfect is a little similar. Poterant. Potuerunt. I always get that U. Potuerunt. Because the third principal part is potui. All right, we can. We can quit for today, and I'll send you the answers to the rest of these, and you can play with them as you wish and uh, see what you can do. And I also gave you uh, – no, I didn't. I was thinking I gave you a principal part test, but I didn't. But I will uh, on these principal parts this week that we have. Now, what I wanted to do uh, at the end here of class is just talk a little bit about the periods of Roman history just so we can kind of have a little memory peg to hang our hats on. And there is a very good podcast set series. It goes, it's got like a hundred and some podcasts in it. And if you like to listen to podcasts, you might really like it. It's 
Uh, if you look up Roman history on your Victor Reader stream or whatever you use to do your podcast on, you will see a man named Mike Duncan. Mike Duncan. And I think his podcasts are called, I think they're called Roman history. Uh, uh, I think that's what they're called anyway. Or the history of Rome, I guess he calls it, the history of Rome. And he's quite entertaining. He does a right good job. Uh, he just pretty much talks to you, gives you a lecture. Each podcast is probably 15 minutes, maybe. And he even tells you about him getting married in the middle of making these podcasts. And he's, he's very entertaining, very entertaining. But he, 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 I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. Uh, but really, it, he's, he's pretty entertaining. And so if you want to learn a little bit about Roman history, uh, it's an entertaining way to do it. Uh, so if you want to How look do you get up, it? Do you get it on your stream? Or yep, I get it on my stream. You looked up um, History of Rome? Yep. And it's, uh, he's also got a book on Bard called, oh, my, Before the Storm. Before the and it talks about the fall of the Roman Republic. So uh, he is an author. I don't really know who he is. I don't, I don't get the impression that he's a Roman history professor. I get the impression he's a man that just studied Roman history and liked it. His Latin is not good at all. Like when he pronounces something in Latin, it's usually wrong. So I don't think he knows Latin. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think he does. I'll have to send you the book I, I use when I'm doing Roman history with the exploratory. It's, it's simplified more for, for kiddos, you know. But it's, What's it called? Um, I, I can't remember offhand, but it's on Bard. Is it the Rotten Romans? No. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to know what it is because uh, I looked up Roman history on Bard and I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. I found Greek history books. There's quite a few of them. I could not find Rome. I'm going to what I'm going to do this this week is call my library and see if they'll get me a list of Roman history materials or Roman civilization or even Roman historical novels and just to see what we can do. I guess they'll do that for you if you ask them. I think they will. Well, what seems to fascinate the kids is what daily life was like in Rome. Yeah. They, they're really yeah. fascinated. And then they, they're yeah. so surprised about how something <coughs> similar to today, you know, given yeah. no electricity yeah. or Internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it is. It, that's what interests me, that the Romans are very much like us. Greg, were you saying yeah, something? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I mean, I hit my new box. I was going to say that uh, there's something on Netflix called Horrible History that you'll enjoy. They've got a lot of music and they do a lot of things with history and they call them the Rotten Romans. And they talk about Rome history. So that might be interesting. It's a cartoon sort of thing. It's not audio described, but you'll get all the music and you can hear all the speech. And it's kind of funny. Tori's you, seen it too. She now you say too. that's on Netflix? Yes. Uh, okay. called Horrible History. The, yes. And the, the Rotten Romans is a book that you can uh -huh. get and it's quite fun. I have it. Uh, I have a print version of it, and I think I might have it on Kindle, as a matter of fact. But it's it's a good book. I wish Bard would uh, would. There's I think there's a the Greeks. It's like the grungy Greeks or something, and the rotten Romans. Yeah, uh, they, they do that, and they have they have little uh, themes. They do they do musical numbers too on there yeah, too. Yeah, it's kind That's, of fun. It's funny. It's funny. It is. So you might yeah. check that out if you want to. It's it'd be kind of funny. You see, you have it on Kindle. Yeah, what does Alexa do when it gets Roman terms? That would be funny because you know, you have Kindle reading. It'll read your Kindle books to you on Alexa. So that would be interesting. Yeah, it will. It will read it. it actually, it's it's a pretty good. Um, the Kindle app works right good, really. 
Um, I thought at least. I think it does. Uh, although Apple Books is also quite good. Apple Books. But anyway, uh, I thought we'd at least look at, to, just to give you some kind of a framework to kind of build on, I thought I'd give you a, a sort of a, just a little capsule of what Roman history, the main periods of Roman history. So this will be a little bit like if we were to do American history, you know, we would say the colonization period, the revolutionary war period, the uh, what, the expansion period, civil war. Uh, what do you call the part after the civil war, the golden age, the gilded age? Reconstruction. Construction. Construct. Yeah. Re well, re yeah. Reconstruction. Then the gilded age. Then uh, the progressive. That's the part right before World War One, you know, that kind of thing. It just gives you an idea of the various periods. And we're not going to spend an awful lot of time on Roman history, but we're going to spend a little bit of time because some of it's quite interesting. But Rome was founded supposedly in 753 B.C. To be exact, April 21st, 753 B.C. Don't ask me how, how they got that April 21st, how they could know that. But that's what they thought. That's what the Romans thought anyway. Now, from 753 B.C. to 509 B.C., so we're talking about uh, 200 and some years, this period is known as the legendary period or the period of the monarchy. Rome was ruled by seven kings, and there is nothing really provable about any of the stuff that happens during this period, but it's what the Romans thought happened. And one reason they thought it uh, was there was a man living during the time of Augustus, so he lived a lot later, he wasn't living during this time, named Livy, Titus Livius in Latin, Livy, we call him Livy in English. And he wrote a big, great big huge book called Aburbe Conditae, which means from the founding of the city. And he wrote part of his work covers this legendary period, and he tells you a lot of these legends. Um, and that's why we know as much as we do about it, whether any of it really happened, it's probably all legendary. Uh, but some of it's kind of fun. Uh, Mike Duncan, uh, tells you all about that stuff. Okay. Well, the Kings finally get thrown out because of an incident that happened. I won't tell you what it is right now. It has to do with a rape. I'll tell you that much. And the Kings get thrown out. And a new period of Roman history starts called the Republic. And this period goes from 509 B.C. to 31 B.C. So it goes quite a while. And this is the period we probably know the most about. This is when Rome was ruled by the Senate and two consuls elected every year. Uh, and during this time, Rome expands and takes over all of Italy because originally Rome was just one little city. Uh, in, in Italy, but it takes over all of Italy. And by the time the Republic is over, Rome has control of all of Italy and then a, quite a few provinces outside of Italy. Um, we know this period the best, partly because we have so many literary sources. We have Cicero's letters. We have Julius Caesar's commentaries. We have Cicero's speeches. Uh, we have some biographies. We have Sallust who wrote histories of various things that happened during this time. And so we have a lot of literature from this period. Um, now, 
and the American uh, father, fathers, you know, people that were founding America really knew this period and really used it quite a lot. All right, then we come to the next period. Now, this next period, it depends on how you want to look at this. And I'll show you what my favorite way is, but not all historians would, would agree with me. 31 BC to 14 AD, we call the Principate. And this is during the time when Rome was ruled by Augustus Caesar, who is the first Roman emperor. Now, the reason it's called the Principate is kind of a clever little thing. And it sounds a lot like modern day. Augustus knew the Romans hated kings ever since the kings got thrown out. And so if he'd said, I want to be king, they wouldn't have ever tolerated that. So instead, what he's what he says is, I'm not a king. I am the first citizen. That's what they called the head man of the Senate, the first citizen. <laughs> so I'm not the king. I'm the princeps. I'm the first citizen. And so he made it a little more palatable. You could stand to say, I'm the first citizen. I'm ruling. You, but they wouldn't have liked it if he'd said, I'm a king. So words do make a difference sometimes. And so his rule is called the principate, which means the rule of the first citizen. And he is the first Roman emperor. And from that time on, Rome will be ruled by emperors. And that gets us to the last period, which is uh, 14 AD. You're in AD now to 476 AD. Rome is ruled by a number of emperors. And some of them were nuttiest fruitcakes and some of them were pretty good emperors. Uh, and so that's kind of just a background of Roman history. Now, the reason I said that some people would disagree with me about the Principate is that some historians would say when the Republic fell in 31 BC, that's when Augustus became the first emperor. Well, let's just call this whole section the empire. And if you want to subdivide that into the Principate, from 31 BC to 14 AD and the empire from 14 AD to 476 AD, you can. Some people would, would call those subdivisions of the big division of the empire, but that just depends on how you want to look at it. I like my way better because I like to think of the Principate as really being a whole separate period because it was a trial and error period. I mean, it was a trial. They'd never had emperors before. Augustus was breaking new ground. And so, you know, it's it's a whole different ball game, you might say. Any comments on any of that? What exactly is the difference between a king and an emperor? Okay. Other than the amount of land they're ruling over. You're actually asking a very good question, and, and, and it's funny the way that this worked out, because these emperors are kings. They're nothing but dictators. Ah. That's what they yeah. are. But they didn't use the word king. The Romans did not like kings. They didn't like the word king. And so as long as you don't call them kings, you're fine. But really, they are. They, the, the, word used, the word used for it is the word you would use to either to talk about a commanding general, a general who's won a battle, imperator, or they often called them Caesar, Caesars, because Augustus was a Caesar. And that word got to be used to refer to any emperor. Any emperor got to be called Caesar. But they thought of it, they, they fooled themselves into thinking that this is different from a king because you're being ruled by the first citizen. 
It would be like, what if Joe Biden suddenly seized power and became a dictator? And he says, well, I'm not really a dictator. I'm really just a president. But yet he had control of the army and he had control of the money. And the Senate and the Congress just met and went through motions and did exactly what he told them to do. That would be exactly what happened in the Roman times. The that Senate makes more sense the way you put it that way. What's that? That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that's why. That's exactly why. And that's one of the things they did not like about. It's funny. They, one of the things they didn't like about Julius Caesar, they were afraid he was going to become king. Remember, if you know anything about the play, Julius Caesar, Mark Antony offers him a crown and he refuses it. And no one knows whether he refused it because he thought the people wouldn't like it or because he really didn't want to be king. No one knows why he refused it. Uh, but the Romans would not have liked that. They would have thought of that as a king. But if you cloak it in the language of, no, you're not the king, you're the first citizen, just like the guy that used to run the Senate. You're just in charge of the Senate is all you are. And all the upper, all the machinery of the Republic was left intact. You still had the Senate. You still had the consuls. Consuls were elected every year, just as they had always been. However, they do exactly what the emperor wants them to do. They go through the motions of voting and of, of passing laws and all, but they know what the emperor wants them to do, and that's what they do. Or they know better. Didn't they used to say, was this the period when they, would, they used to say the sun never set on Roman soil? Because uh, the they, Rome, had they had pretty much taken over the whole world. Yeah. At least they thought. So much, so I'm sorry? Because there was so much of it. Yep. Now, they did not have China. They did not really have Russia. They did not really have Scotland. Uh, they had some of it. Uh, and there were some places they didn't have. But... Uh, the Germans kind of gave them trouble sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, they did have an awful lot of land. Uh, during the time of the Emperor Trajan, I think that's when Rome reached its greatest extent of land that it conquered. So. All right. You got two minutes, Gary. Okay, guys. So you have a story in this lesson called Miraculous Twins. And next week, we're going to read that story. It's a long, it's a pretty long story. If you can't get through it all, that's all right. There's some questions after it. So try your hand at reading that story. If you can read it, if you have my notes, those of you who get my notes, um, try reading it. Next week, we will read it and talk about it. Uh, and it's going to be about the founding. Well, not exactly the founding of Rome, but it's going to be about the two kids who are going to end up founding Rome.